630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hamilton and Winnipeg now tied 7-7. Last minute of the first quarter, Friday night football. Oil Kings just getting underway against the Calgary Hitmen in Calgary. Golden Bears hockey will play at UBC tonight. That one starts tomorrow. Golden Bears football, or pardon me, that one starts at 8. Golden Bears football has their game uh, tomorrow at UBC as they go after their fourth consecutive victory. FC Edmonton in Halifax tomorrow. Been a tough go for FC Edmonton lately, 0-4-3 in their last seven. Tomorrow we have the Eskimos game with coverage starting at 12.30. We have the Oilers and Flames with the coverage starting at 6 here on 6.30. Chet Patrick Laine finally signing with the Winnipeg Jets two year deal worth $13.5 million so they get that done just uh, six days before the Jets season opener against the Rangers. The average annual value $6.75 million. So Oilers Flames tomorrow. We don't know exactly how the Oilers lineup will look. Dave Tippett said to be determined when I asked him about that today. He uh, did say Ethan Bear is going to play and likely Marcus Granlin finally back in the lineup as he's been dealing with a groin issue. What about from a uh, Flames perspective? Of course, some former Oilers on that team. For that perspective, a man who was recently voted the most eligible bachelor in Southern Alberta, Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Hey, Pat. That uh, That's a year old. I uh, lost my crown this year to... Uh to Mark Strashick, formerly of 6.30 Ched. So I, uh, I, I'm i reeling from the loss, but I'll, I'll make up for it. I, I think you'll recover, buddy. Great to have you on the uh, on the show again. We are close to the regular season starting, but first one more game that doesn't count in the standings. That'll be, uh, that'll be tomorrow night. For the Flames, a few f- uh, storylines. Let's start with the Kachuk deal. Uh, getting done. Tell us a little bit about the the waiting game here being played, your sense of what the negotiations were like, and and now he's back. Well, first of all, I mean, he's fired up to be back. Flames fans are fired up that he's back. I think there were a lot of people who were, I want to say, I don't want to say worried, but I think that there was certainly some apprehension as camp really started to drag on that he still hadn't signed, and knowing that Flames fans went through this three years ago with Johnny Gaudreau and he didn't sign until the very day before the start of the regular season and played some pretty poor hockey for his standards in the first few months of that season. I think it had some people worried. Um, but I, this this is a deal that makes sense. So my sense of the negotiations are that this was something that wasn't all that far apart for a number of weeks. Basically, the way it has been explained to me is that, I don't know, a week or two before training camp, the two sides decided that this is going to be a shorter term. So it wasn't going to be a long-term deal. They just decided that from a cap perspective, the Flames probably weren't able to offer what would be fair on a seven- or eight-year eight deal. 
Kachuk and his agent will plan with that, knowing that you know a shorter term deal allows Kachuk to bet on himself and, and potentially get an even bigger deal down the road. So that was the agreement they made kind of before camp, and then they were kind of uh, you know at, at a bit of a standoff as to what that dollar figure was going to be like, and ended up at six point seven five. The Flames were quite a bit lower than that, and the Kachuk camp was uh, looking for quite a bit higher than that. And for the longest time, the Flames kind of felt like. There wasn't a whole lot going on from the Kachuk camp. They weren't hearing from them, and there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue. But as the preseason dragged on and as we moved closer to the start of the regular season, uh, as I understand it, sometime on Tuesday night, uh, the Kachuk camp finally moved off their stance and came down a little bit on their asking price. So for the longest time, it had been agreed on you know a shorter-term two- or three-year deal, likely a three. And so when the Kachuk camp moved off their number and said, okay, we're willing to come down to this, the Flames said, okay, we're willing to come up to this. And that's how the negotiation really kick-started. And then, bam, it was, you know, 24, 36 hours from that happening to Penn being put to paper and Kachuk signing his deal. So I, it, it was kind of – it was it wasn't a stalemate throughout the summer. There just wasn't a whole lot happening. Then when they agreed on the general terms and the general uh, structure of the deal, it took a little while for them to come to a consensus. And, and from there – they were able to, once one side moved, and it was kind of looked at as a show of good faith, the other side did too, and they were able to get a deal done. And Kachuk will play his first preseason game tomorrow against uh, his old buddies, the Edmonton Oilers. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like on the ice for the first time because unlike everybody else in camp, he's only playing his first preseason game at the end of September. But that's my general sense of how the negotiations went. Cam Talbot, outstanding for the Oilers in 16-17 uh, when they made the playoffs uh, up and down the last couple of years. How's he looked in goal? Um, it has been a slow burn. So he came in uh, the first preseason game. It was a split squad meeting between the Vancouver Canucks, and he split the game with David Riddick in Calgary. Uh, not a great start to his Calgary career. He was even getting jeered a little bit by uh, by Flames fans, who are just kind of they've they've gone through a lot with goaltending over the last five or six years. Um, so he he came in about halfway through that game and let in three goals. They were all pretty leaky goals. You're like, oh, that's not a good start. But you're like, okay, well it's September 16th. I think you can probably give him a pass. Next game was this past Sunday in Winnipeg. He went the whole way. The Flames lost 4-1, but he looked significantly more comfortable in that game than he did his first go-round. And then Talbot played again last night in San Jose, and he was perfect in 40 minutes of work, and the Sharks iced basically their full-on opening night roster against a Flames group that was nowhere close. And Talbot was the best player in the game uh, for the Flames through those 40 minutes. Made 24 stops. The scoring chances were slanted in San Jose's favor, and Talbot had to be really good. He was good post-to-post. He was very uh, well-positioned. He just looked calm composed and comfortable, which is is important for a guy still getting to know a new team. So I think that what you saw, what, the most important thing is that he's gotten significantly better each appearance. So from the first one, which was not very good at all, to the second one where he was just nice and steady, and then this past one he looked really good. I, 
I can understand if you're a Flames fan and you're skeptical because he had an awful year last year. It was not good in Edmonton. It didn't get any better in Philadelphia, and he posted the worst numbers of his career. But, look, I'm actually pretty optimistic about Talbot and have been since the Flames signed him in July. I look at a goalie that before this past year, and you'll know it better than I do, and I know that the first half of the 17-18 season in Edmonton wasn't great either, but for the most part, he's been a 9-13, 9-14 goalie, and last year was his first awful season, and a lot of times, if you can prove that over a five-year span, that you're 9-13, 9-14, and then you have one bad year, there's a good chance that you can bounce back and get closer to those career norms. So that based on and then added with what I've seen from him so far in the preseason, yeah, I think there's a a decent chance that Talbot can have a a passable season in tandem with David Riddick. And and I think Riddick's the guy on top of the depth chart. I think it is a tandem, but I think that you're probably looking at Riddick starting in the 50 to 55 range and and Talbot going the rest of the way. So I'm optimistic about him. I've liked what I've seen from him in practice, and I thought he was really good in his third outing last night against San Jose, and he just got gradually better as Caps down a lot. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary joining us. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with their creative take on southern classic spun with a modern twist. Some guests, but not Pat. Pat Milan Lucic, also a Calgary Flame after a season and a half of struggles with the Oilers. What are you seeing? I was going to take Milan for chicken, but I guess not. Um, look, Luch is, uh, he's, he is a fascinating player. He, I, get, I get all the skepticism, and I also kind of understand Flames fans' optimism. It's fascinating, like, so in Edmonton, and, I, and I, I've been following along since the trade was made, in Edmonton, it's kind of like, okay, thank goodness, so, you know, we got rid of Lucic, and there's optimism surrounding James Neal and what he can do. Well, the same is true in Calgary. So, oh, thank goodness uh, James Neal is no longer here, and there's optimism surrounding Milan Lucic. Here's, here's the way that I look at it obje- as objectively as I can. I don't really have high expectations for either guy. I really don't. Uh, James Neal was horrid last year in Calgary. He looks like he can't skate at NHL pace anymore. Uh, He looked completely disinterested. And the minute things didn't really seem to go his way in terms of the way he thought it would be and who he was playing with, he just looked like he checked out. That was early on in the season. And so when you combine all those things, can't get there. He's not shooting from high-quality areas. He's not generating chances and attempts like he has for the most part of his career. That's scary when it comes to James Neal. Well, it's not like Milan Lucic had just bad luck while he was with the Oilers the last two years. It's, it's a guy that also doesn't look like speed is where it needs to be to be a full-time effective NHLer. And I think why Flames fans are happy that he's here is because a lot of people believe this team is lacking toughness and lacking, you know, a little bit of that intimidation factor. And and Lucic definitely brings that, but I don't see a whole lot of offensive upside there. He's getting reps on the number two power play unit right now, but I I don't know how long that's going to last for. And I I guess I look at it, Lucic just looked fine. He had one really good preseason game against uh, an AHL squad 
that the Jets sent. And I'm not trying to disparage Lucic at all. I just am trying to keep a realistic expectation on it. I mean, he has struggled mightily the last two years, and it wasn't just because he was in Edmonton. There were other reasons for it, too. So I think fair expectations. The, here, here's, here's how I've phrased it all along with Lucic. If he can be an everyday bottom six forward and not hurt the team and add a little bit of toughness and add a little bit of that intimidation, then I guess you can be happy if you're the Flames. I don't think you should be putting any type of offensive expectations on it, and I think you have to live with some of the limitations that uh, you're going to get from Lucic. But if he can be an everyday player and not hurt the team consistently, then I think it's a win for the Flames in that regard. And it's never going to be a good contract. It's never going to be one that, you know, James Neal's deal is never going to be one that I think is a good contract. So it it really was a swap problem for problem. Uh, Lucic has looked fine based on what the expectations were. And unfortunately, the, the expectations are, are pretty low. I mean, he's, he's a, as you know, he's an awesome guy to talk to, a great interview, and you want the best for him. But I think you have to be realistic with it when it comes to him. Pat, your beauty is outweighed only by your intelligence. Thank you so much for making time for me tonight. Mr. Wilkins, it is a pleasure as always. We'll chat soon. That is Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes for Lucic. I mean, man, he had that horrible second half of the year in 2018. I, I thought he could bounce back and, and maybe get into double digits this past season. It, it never really got going. I mean, he did score the first goal of the season for the Oilers. And then he did have a stretch in January where he got four goals in six games. And then he just scored one more. Um yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough. And, and, you know, James Neal is, is no guarantee to bounce back here in Edmonton. Uh, I do think he's uh, a better bet to bounce back and, and maybe get into double digits in goals. That would certainly help the Oilers if he did. But uh, both teams were able to to move on from players that it wasn't working out for. And I got to say, I, I didn't think – I'll give Ken Holland credit for this before we see how some of his other moves worked out. I didn't think he'd be able to do it. I, I was extremely skeptical that he would be able to trade Lucic, at least at this point, uh, in the contract. Now, it wasn't easy. They had to take on more money. The cap went up to get Lucic off the books and, and bring Neil on. But maybe Neil's a solution for the Oilers on the second line. We're coming up to 7.20 Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. With Neil on the forecheck alongside McDavid, Perot turned it over, Neil dishes. What timer score? Tomas Yurcho off the Winnipeg turnover. I had a really good uh, few games and I uh, think I showed uh, what I can do, but uh, still still early. You know, we still have one more one more game left and then we have a uh, uh, full season ahead of us so uh, it's still a lot of the show right time and the right mindset because I think early in Detroit he thought he was you know he was drafted as a second round scorer like he's going to be just this offensive player right and and talking to him a lot this summer after we signed him he's got a mentor in Marion Hosa which is uh pretty nice mentor to have. I laughed. I said, if you want to play like Marion Hosa, I'm good with that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is good. I, I think, I think Mary, you know, they're Slovaks, and they, you love that those guys want to help other guys out, but my whole, the whole gist of that is uh, uh, Thomas has thought about being a complete player, not an offensive player. And I think for a long time he thought the only way he's going to stick in the NHL is if he 
brings the offense that he was projected to, to bring. But there's more to the game than just being an offensive player. You can be a good two-way player that that uh, still has capability of scoring. Yurcho taking it hard of the hole, scores! Beat Hellebach, blocker side, and it's 4-3. Kenny drafted me in Detroit, so I've uh, been there for a few years, and uh, uh, you know, we uh, we always had a good relationship, and uh, uh, even though it didn't really work out in Detroit for me, uh, I think he always believed in me, and uh, uh, that make it easy for that made it easy for me to uh, you know to to come here and uh, uh, it's uh, it's really good so far so hopefully it's gonna be a good season. A little bit there on Tomas Yurcho challenges for him will be staying healthy and consistency and those are pretty two big ones that he'll have to tackle if he's gonna contribute with the Oilers this season. Hamilton up 16-7 on Winnipeg in the second quarter. NHL preseason action tonight. Late in the third, Devils up 2-0 on the Blue Jackets. Early in the third, Carolina leading Nashville 1-0. Maple Leafs and Red Wings tied 2-2. Second period, Blues up 3-2 on the Caps. Later, Kings take on the Golden Knights. All right. Well, Oil Kings underway as well, and they just went up 1-0 on the Calgary Hitmen about seven minutes into that game. Latestu, Mustard, Cramping, We'll get to the bottom of that story. We're going to hit the mustard hard. <laughs> you get a t-shirt, a yellow t-shirt that says hit the mustard hard. Hi, this is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. Greg Ellingson, we had him on the show earlier this week. He returns to Ottawa, where he starred as a Red Black. 12.30 countdown to kickoff on Ched tomorrow, game at 2. And then at 6 o'clock, we have the Oilers face-off show, game at 7 against Calgary. The Oilers won 5-3 in Winnipeg last night. Three-goal third-period rally. And Mark Letestu, former Oiler now with the Jets, went viral. A shot of him before the game inhaling a mustard well not like i mean in his mouth like he bites the mustard package and pulls the mustard into his mouth like you might eat edamame or something like that and uh, it allegedly supposedly helps cramping and i thought to myself well i wondered if that's true or not and then i thought to myself who do i know who knows a lot about the human body and what makes it tick and i called my buddy grant fedork over at leading edge physiotherapy grant welcome back to the show how are you doing I'm doing good. It's good to be on the show. Yeah, well, I know you're really excited about this topic. <laughs> hey, listen, I uh, <laughs> when you called me about it, I was, uh, you know, we get asked all kinds of questions. Uh, that's that's one we get asked. So uh, when you said he was uh, inhaling some mustard, I thought, yeah, let's uh, let's dispel the myth. No problem. Okay, so mustard can help prevent cramping and you gotta remember mark taking this and it, i mean he's he's a pro athlete he's in the point zero 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 one percent of of people on the planet in terms of the shape they're in That's um, right. so you would think that mark and other nhlers have other mechanisms and health routines that might prevent cramping so what do you yeah. what do you make of this mustard right before the game thing <laughs> Well, that actually helps to explain that that it actually does work because most of the time people think, and they're not wrong, there's lots of causes. Basically, a muscle cramp is an involuntary contraction of the muscle. We don't want it to contract, and it contracts, and it keeps contracting, and sometimes it can last, and 
some, usually they just go away fairly quickly, but obviously a professional athlete doesn't want to have to deal with it. But you can rule out all kinds of other causes that, you know, can lead to muscle cramping, like dehydration is common. There's no way these guys are going into a game dehydrated. Right. They know exactly how much water they should be drinking. They're getting their electrolytes. That's another cause. You know, if they've got low sodium, that, does, that doesn't help the cells function properly. Or if they've got other issues, you can get cramping from low, low levels of calcium or magnesium, as an example, because that, that, that can uh, have an effect on the nerve function. And so you rule those out. These guys, they, they're on top of that stuff. They've got nutritionists. They're doing everything. So why be sucking back a pack of mustard? <laughs> that's the question. And you know what? It's that or pickle juice. Believe it or not, that's another one of the things that uh, people will use. And the explanation is this, is that in certain cases, the muscles are firing because of uh, the, the nerves not acting properly. So the motor nerve is actually misfiring. And the theory goes, and believe it or not, it was a, a couple a Nobel Prize a neurobiologist who kind of started to do some work on this stuff back when I, I did a little bit of reading to see why they, you know, there's something called hot shot, and we, we, athletes know about it. And it's a really strong tasting um, fluid that somebody can drink, and it's along the lines of mustard. And uh, these guys invented it. And basically the theory goes that if you bombard the nervous system and your mouth is full of nerves and your throat and your stomach, of course, just very rich in nerves. If you bombard the nervous system with this massive stimulus, it'll overtake or break up that misfiring of the nervous system. And, and believe it or not, uh, whether it's an old wives tale or not, I don't think that, that uh, is the fact. They're still trying to figure out exactly the mechanism, but in fact, it is used and it can work fairly quickly. So, and that's what Mr. Lipkowski was doing. So, so it's not so much the ingredients of the mustard or the pickle juice. It's what the, the sharpness of the taste itself does to your nervous system. Yeah, so those ingredients create that sharpness. Right, okay, you know, whether right. It's, but it's not right, like... Like whether it's cayenne, pepper, right. or, you know, those kind of things that are really a massive stimulus to the nerves will help to break that, miss, that cycle of misfiring. Almost that bombardment is what the uh, is the proposed mechanism that's occurring, and so believe it or not, mustard or pickle juice do that. Now, do I recommend people drink pickle juice? <laughs> Particularly, I I don't think that's a great idea. It's got a high level of sodium, and uh, you know we don't want to be creating high blood pressure across the, every athlete out there. Um, but for a quick solution. It's, in fact, what athletes will do. You bet. Pickle juice and uh, mustard. So there's this package of mustard, and the uh, the myth is dispelled. It can work. Well, that's amazing. I, I'm glad you filled this in on, on how and, and why that would work. And, and obviously I saw, you know, social media, but you see a lot of stuff on social media, Grant. But I, I you yeah. know, saw the odd tweet like, oh, no, no, it's for cramping. And I, and I got in touch with Mark after the game, and he said yeah. it's for cramping. The, the our, our trainer swears by it. But I thought, well... Um, sometimes athletes believe a lot of things that they just yeah. think in their head might help, but physically might not make a difference. So, uh, so there is something to it. Okay, so uh, yeah, yeah, and like you said, I mean, dehydration can often. And look, as you know, yeah. I, I I run not in a, at an elite level, but for me, it's like 
yeah, drink, make sure you're hydrated before you run. I eat my pasta the night before. <laughs> yep. I usually feel pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to start doing any mustard at the starting line. No, you know, and, and again, it's there's all different there's different kinds of cramps. Believe it or not, you know, there's some that are from overuse. Those those you know, somebody who's running and is at the very end of a long marathon race, that kind of cramping is is not going to be the same as these kind of sudden onset cramps that can come on. Um, one that slowly comes about or is occurring at rest, that's a different kind of cramp. Do I recommend everybody, you know? have mustard before they go to bed so that they might not get some <laughs> night cramps no uh so the, you got to figure out what's causing them and but you know in this kind of a case in this kind of instance when you rule out almost everything that could be these guys they've got the doctors checking into everything you know they they know their level of their health and that they've got no organ system dysfunction that's leading to those cramps which means we usually, you know, we do usually believe that that's coming from this misfiring of the nerves, or it can be coming from neuropathy, which is the health, the nerves aren't healthy. So should you do uh, should you do mustard if you're get, if you're in the middle of a, an event and you're getting some sudden cramping? Why not? I mean, <laughs> I, I think that I would try it if uh, if I needed to, you know, get, finish off that game and. It's not going to hurt you to do it from time to time. But if it's happening all the time, uh, regularly, then you want to get to the bottom of it. As you know, in the legs, it can be caused from changes in the kinetic chain. You know, your foot foot dysfunctions can cause cramping in the arches. Yeah. So just depends on the problem. But like I said, in these cases, believe it or not, a lot of people, and it's not that old wives' tale, but, you know, I've even seen things like people putting soap under their, you know, under their sheet and finding that helps with night cramps in their legs and stuff. And I, you know, I'm not even going to get into that one. I have no clue how that might be working or why right. it might be working. There's a ton of them out there, let me tell you. But believe it or not, pickle juice and uh, mustard, that one's been around for a while. And people have actually looked into it and uh, think they've got a reason or explanation for why it works. Well, that's amazing. Grant, thank you for educating us. Thanks for taking time out of your uh, busy Friday evening. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, buddy. <laughs> no problem, Reed. Good luck to you, and uh, enjoy your mustard. I will. That is Grant Fedoric from Leading Edge Physiotherapy. So there you go, everybody. Mark Letestu and other mustard enthusiasts are not crazy. That is awesome stuff. This portion of the show, including the mustard chat, presented by Furnace Family, Experience the Furnace family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Hamilton up 17-7 on Winnipeg. A minute and a half left in the first half. We'll head out to Camrose to see what's going on with the AJHL Showcase. This is Don Unama of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chair. Oh, there's a good Friday night track. 
Man, Hamilton taking it to Winnipeg. One minute left in the first half. 24-7 for the Tiger Cats. They are 10-3. Winnipeg at 9-4. Oil Kings now up 2-0 late in the first period in Calgary. Gunther with a goal. Neighbors with the other one as the Oil Kings try to start the season 3-0. They will host Lethbridge Sunday at 4 at Rogers Place. Oilkings.ca for the full schedule and ticketing info. That is the WHL, the AJHL, into its showcase weekend. I'm pleased to welcome to the show the play-by-play voice of the Camrose Kodiaks, Tim Ellis. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It is awesome to speak to you again. It has been uh, over a decade since we talked. We used to run into each other at the odd rodeo when you'd come out to the Lloydminster area to to, uh, do some of your rodeo reporting. Man, this is awesome to have you on the show, man. Oh, man, you're you're starting to make me feel old. I'm still doing rodeo reporting, as a matter of fact. But, uh, yeah, over a decade uh, that we uh, we saw each other, it's, uh, it's been fun. I've been... Uh been hearing the name around for a bit but uh, this is this is pretty cool well this is very cool and i'm glad you're doing well and uh, doing play-by-play for the cameras kodiaks and we're uh, into the ajhl showcase weekend you know when, when i was covering the lloyd blazers and then bobcats i, I know they had a showcase weekend tim but it, it just seems like it's it's bigger than it than it used to be like it really is uh, an event can you just give me a, a sense of, of the showcase how they do it why it's important well, uh, of course, very important for uh, for all of the players, and, and they bring in uh, scouts, and I think there's over 100, probably 130, 135 scouts here. The, the very first showcase, and I remember this well, was, was actually down in uh, Okotoks in Calgary. They kind of combined the, the two venues, and uh, the, the Kodiaks played in Okotoks, I think, on night number one, and then at the Father David Bauer Arena in Calgary. And that was the very first one, and the Kodiaks, of course, had the team that, that year went within uh, a few seconds of maybe winning a national championship ended up uh, as the runners up so they had a very good squad but back then there was nobody to watch just as you said it, it was it was a showcase it was uh, the idea was good but there was really nobody there and, and over the last uh, 11 12 years it has grown into like i said probably 120 150 scouts here in camrose and uh, it's been here in in, uh, in Canada arena in the max McLean arena for the last uh, five years and uh it's it's a great event. It's a it's a great place to to host something this big, and it, it gives the scouts uh, ample opportunity to see all of these kids. And uh, it's uh, it's turned into a very good event for the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Are, are we talking about a mix of of pro scouts and NCAA, maybe even WHL scouts? Like, is it is it kind of from all levels, all leagues? Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I would think more uh, the NCAA uh, scouts. You'll, you'll see uh, probably uh, if you had to, you know, decide if, if you had to split it down in thirds, maybe probably more on the NCAA side to, to watch these kids and, and get them into a scholarship in a U.S. school. And then you have uh, like the NHL scouts around as well that are, you know, looking ahead to the the kids that are in their draft year and then you do have some western hockey league scouts as well so it is uh, it is a pretty good mix all right well it's it's great exposure for the league and and it just it's to, to me i mean it's it's a better route than ever to kind of have your options open. I mean, we've seen AJHL players uh, like Kale McCarr get drafted pretty high. I mean, I, I often go back to, to Mark Letestu, who uh, played for the Jets last night. He was here here in Edmonton. He was AJHL MVP back in 2006. And, uh, I mean, the AJHL can, can really be uh, a route to, to the NHL. I mean, you don't just have to go to, to – it helps to go to Major Junior, but it, it's still a path to play maybe at the highest level. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's growing so much. I mean, the, the, the Kodiak's first uh, uh, player to reach the NHL and be drafted was uh, was Richard Pettio back in 2001. And he was the only one, you know, at that time from this organization that was, that was getting drafted. Now, uh, you know, like you can have uh, two or three from the a, from a same team go on, or there could be five up to ten a year. And, and back then, that, that just wasn't happening. So I would say over the last... Oh, probably 10 years, I guess, and even more maybe over the last five. The, the kids are, are seeing that that route does pay off. And, yes, you can be drafted in the first round of the NHL draft. And, and yes, you can still play uh, NHL hockey and, and play NCAA and get a scholarship. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, credit to the, the Alberta Junior Hockey League for, uh, for showcasing these kids and showing them that that's a, a very viable opportunity for them. Uh, you know, when I when I was working in Lloyd from 2000-2007, the Kodiaks were the dominant team in the league. I, I mean, they were in the final almost every year. I, I mean, you mentioned the, the, the I think that was the Weyburn game you're referring, where they lost that heartbreaker in the last minute, if I, if I remember correctly. But other, other appearances of the national final. It, it seems to me Brooks has kind of become the, the dominant team lately. Uh, the crew in Spruce Grove in the north, is that kind of the, the landscape right now? Yeah, that's that's kind of what it would be right now. Actually, yeah, that that Weyburn game that you talk about that was 2005. That was a that was a wild ending, and then the, the one I uh, I referenced to in, in 2008 was uh, against Humboldt in uh, in Cornwall, Ontario, and Joe Colburn was was stoned by Taylor Nelson, who uh, I happened to run into here a couple of years ago here at Camrose, and uh, that was a, a last second uh, big save for Humboldt, but. Um, yeah, the uh, the landscape definitely has changed. Uh, the the Kodiaks in 2008 that was their their second last RBC Cup appearance, except for the uh, the hosting here in 2011. And and the Brooks Bandits have, have kind of taken over as that team that's that's dominated in the South and and up north. Sherwood Park is really putting together a team, and then of course Spruce Grove has been uh, you know dominant up there for years, and looks like they're going to be again this year too. So. Uh, the landscape has definitely changed, and uh, some of these uh, other teams like the Kodiaks, and that would definitely like to get back to, to some of those glory years for sure. Well, right on. Well, Camrose does a great job hosting the showcase, Tim. It's awesome to catch up with you. I know you're busy, so thanks a lot for fitting me in, man. Hope we can talk again soon. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, uh, thanks for catching up. This is fun. Tim Ellis on the AJHL Showcase being held in Calgary and Camrose. Good to talk to Tim for sure. All right, so uh, Oilers tomorrow, Eskimos tomorrow. Head coach Jason Moss about quarterback Trevor Harris. He's on the six-game injured list. Is his throwing arm just not responding? Yeah, no, it, it didn't this week. And, you know, in order for us to protect our football team and do what's best for our football team, I think it was just precautionary to put him on the sixth game. And if he makes it through all all the games, doesn't play the rest of the year, at least it gives us something back in return yeah. uh, on on our roster uh, with the cap space that he saves, but ultimately when it, he's ready to play, he'll come off and he'll play. We don't know when right now, so I think the smart bet is just to put him on there and, and figure it out. I imagine short term it just clears everything up for, for Trevor and for you and, and the team. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, there's a lot of wishy-washy the last two weeks. Um, it's not good for anybody. You know, we're trying to put together a plan that suits Trevor, and and then Logan's the one playing the whole game. So, you know, this week it, it was the same way. So, you know, going forward from this point, it'll be more catered to Logan, and then Trevor will adjust. But, you know, ultimately, you know, um, we're just playing the hand that's dealt and doing the best with it. And we have a lot of confidence that Logan's going to continue to progress um, and lead us to, to a victory here. And that's really what we're concerned about. 
Logan Kilgore once again will start at quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos. Didn't start well last week against Hamilton. Made that big comeback. They fell short in the end. He says mind cha- his mindset won't change knowing Harris is on the six-game DL. My mindset hasn't really changed. It's uh, just trying every day to do the best that I can to help the team. And, uh, you know, for the first 10 weeks, that was to try and, you know, help Trevor any way that I could, help the offense any way that I could. And um, I view it the same. You know, now I'll be taking the snaps this game and try and help our team win any way that I can and uh, just take everything else day by day. Check the standings this game. You can do yourself a, a big favor with a win over Ottawa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point in the season, um, every game every game is critical, uh, especially as, you know, the numbers start to calculate themselves. And, you know, you got, um, you know, the one thing that you can do is uh, this week we can only get two points, and, and that's with a win. And uh, they're probably viewing it the same exact way. So we got to make sure that we uh, come out here, execute, and uh, just take care of business um, this week. All right, here is the plan tomorrow. 12.30 countdown to kickoff with David Morley. On 630 Ched. Game starts at 2 Eskimos Red Blacks. The faceoff show for the Oilers and the Flames will begin at 6, and then the game is at 7. We look forward to bringing you that doubleheader tomorrow. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is the studio producer. Thanks to everybody who texted in and called tonight. Always appreciate you listening as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Just grab your Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.